Hello and welcome back to the Nostalgia FC podcast with your hosts, me, Drew Hollins-Roberts. And me, George Thomas. This is the podcast where we delve deep into the recesses of football and history and obscure football players. Yeah, so each week we'll get on a guest who will give us their favourite 11, their stadium, manager and kit and also super sub. Yep, so this week's guest we have Josh McGilvery, good friend of mine and George's. And another episode where we were able to record side by side. Well, George and Josh anyway. Yeah, so uh, Josh is with the res- restrictions being lifted in Wales. We're allowed at least one person in our house now. Is it one person or one household, something like that? So he is currently sat next to me, which is good. Um, grew up with Josh. Uh, pretty much everything we did was to do with football. So he knows a fair bit, which is always good for this podcast. Yeah, definitely. So without further ado, let's get into it. This is Nostalgia FC podcast with Josh McGilvery. Welcome to the Nostalgia FC pod, Josh. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so as I said earlier, me and Josh pretty much uh, grew up together, playing football at the park near our houses pretty much every day after school. Then as soon as it got dark, going in and playing FIFA. So our lives pretty much revolved around football when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to tell us who you support, Josh? So I'm a Man United fan. As we like nice it. team. <laughs> yeah, George has been doing the bookings. Yeah, I need to uh, get involved in the bookings, obviously, because we've had three United fans out of possible five guests so far. <laughs> so something's going wrong somewhere. Yeah, and the other two were West Ham and Wolves as well. So yeah, it's <laughs> true. I don't know what's going on. I, I don't have any, obviously, we don't have any many uh, Liverpool fans that we know. You thought there'd be loads crawling out the woodwork after the last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Just <laughs> have you not been on social media, Josh? <laughs> I was going to say, firing fireworks at the uh, live building. Yeah. You can cut that one out. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, Josh. So, big football fan. Yeah. Right to a senior Wales fan as well. I, I don't follow international football as much, but Wales are all the team. I'm more of a like a glory hunter. If they get to a big tournament, they're the team I'd follow, and then it kind of goes. Down. <laughs> I mean, yeah. at least you're fair honest, enough. I guess. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people, especially on Twitter, a lot of people crave the end of the international windows when they happen. I know a lot of people are happy mm. now because there's not another one for five months. Yeah, I'm a bit like that. Yeah, no, quite, I, I do agree with that. I'm a bit gutted to us. I love the international break. I love watching yeah. boys take on minor European <laughs> opponents and make it look like hard work and then beat them and make them look like world beaters. Well, we've been <laughs> promoted now to the, what is it, Group A of? Group A, yeah. We're actually, all things going well, we're actually two games away from qualifying for the World Cup through this mad system they've got, so yeah. Oh, I've lost track of all of it. Yeah, I, <laughs> yes. I, I don't fully understand it, I'm not going to lie. But, no, it uh, is. Um, Nations League, whoever invented it, was clearly just going, yeah, we just want to get something as confusing as possible so then people can't focus on how much money we're spending on stuff. So we'll just throw this tournament at them and confuse people <laughs> so they don't pay attention to what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, that sounds about right. Good job, you yeah, waiter. Uh, just before we get, we started recording as well, Josh told me that he was making last-minute substitutions or transfers, whatever you I'd say it was it. deadline day. Uh, <laughs> nice. Sky Sports presenter was outside the window. Uh, yeah. Harry Redknapp leaning out the door of his car. 
It was Glenn, it was. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the interview I was winning, though. <laughs> uh, Josh, so obviously some changes you made last minute. We look forward to hearing them. Before we do that, we need your formation for this team. So how are you lining up? So I'm a modern football fan, but I do like the old school. So I've gone 4 4 2. Okay. Don't think you can beat it. Have we, have we had a 4-4-2 yet? Uh, we haven't had a 4-4-2. And just to go back to your previous statement, don't think you can beat it. I think there's a lot of evidence in modern football that you definitely can beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you can. There's a reason it's not used much anymore, I guess. Yeah. Well, with these players... There you go. Also, <laughs> it would carry on not being used. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think the only person who's still using it is Sean Dyche at Burnley. And that's going really well for them, so... Well, when you got Chris Wood up front, you need another. You need someone else. <laughs> you need someone else. You can't leave him by himself. <laughs> right, Josh, we will start from the back and go forward. Who is in goal? So my goalie, as a United fan, I've got quite a big selection of who I could go for. But the one I've gone for is Van der Sar. Nice. I think, I think he gets underrated in the terms of the Premier League goalies because he came in late. But... When you put him with that partnership with Ferdinand and Vidic in front of him, you couldn't really get any better than yeah, that. Yeah, I guess that's probably one of the reasons he wasn't talked about as much was because of Vidic and Ferdinand in front of him, who were possibly, depending who you're talking to, the best partnership, centre-back partnership in, in the Premier League. Obviously, yeah. Drew. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I don't... I'm not going to disagree on something as obvious as that. That was one of the most fruitful centre-back pairings in terms of yeah. trophies and games won. They definitely were... Definitely complementing each other in their style of play. And obviously with Van der Sar behind them, it was a very good defence, which was a shame as a Liverpool fan watching that because they're very good. So I'm thoroughly I'm enjoying lie. their downfall in defence now. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. Yeah, don't, don't bring it up, yeah. please. It's a painful subject. Um, what was making me laugh then? Because I know you. I don't know how much of a troll you can be sometimes. I thought Barthez was going in goal. Oh, I, I was tempted to. <laughs> Get your shorts up around your ears, that kind of thing. But... <laughs> No, I'd, I went for a good player in that position. Yeah. yeah, it was between De Gea, but he's uh, recently. Yeah, I guess he's he's, he's still good, he's, but he's fallen off, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. not the player he was. Van der Sar, as you mentioned about him being a bit older, when he signed for United, he was thirty-four years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. I didn't. He hadn't really old. been anywhere. He'd been obviously Ajax Academy. He came up and then Fulham for years. Yeah. And then I think United signed him off there. So, yeah. Fair play. I think great keeper, very tall keeper. He yeah. uh, has a similarity yeah. to the first episode to link it back to Owen's imaginary goalkeeper of um, Lithuanian bloke. Because uh, he had massive ears as well. Yeah. 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 I always remember having, having really long limbs. I don't know. Yeah. If that's <laughs> yeah. what I've got in my head. <laughs> All limbs. Yeah. Yeah. As a goalkeeper... If yeah. you didn't have yeah, much in the way of the limb department, you'd be pretty rubbish as a goalkeeper. Yeah. Jordan so Pickford. Well, I was thinking about <laughs> <Martin Martin. laughs> He's only got little arms. little T-Rex arms. <laughs> That's something we all yeah. get on board with. Slate and the Everton goalkeeper. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's what the rest of this yeah. is. <laughs> Let's move forward from your goalkeeper into your defence. So we'll start at the right-back position. Who have you got? Well, for right back, I don't think a player has as big an impact on football as my right back. Uh, it is John O'Shea. <laughs> I think anyone who can nutmeg Lewis Figo, 
uh, keep a clean sheet in goal and dink the Arsenal keeper from 25 yards out to win the game. I just don't think you can beat that man. <laughs> I mean, for such an average player, you have named incredible moments as well. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah. a man. If you, like, if you list that off, you'd think this guy is the best right back ever to play the game, not a bit part player for United that occasionally rocked up and played a few games. Yeah. yeah. But what, what a career. That, that, I remember that goal against Arsenal because remember in that black kit. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely insane because I remember watching it and not realising who it was and then he was celebrating. Yeah. I was like, Oh, he turned around did like a partial Cantona celebration where he just turned around <laughs> and looked at all the players. I was like, what a man that is. Yeah, wow. yeah play, John O'Shea. I mean, you said you can't really argue with it. You can argue with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you absolutely can. <laughs> yeah. A list of great Manchester United right-backs. John O'Shea, was he even a right-back? I feel like he's one of those players that... I think he's versatile. I've just listed him in goal, right-back. <laughs> he was a striker. <laughs> he could do anything. So, just to be clear, the changes you made, was this team just John O'Shea 11 times and then you've had to change it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a bit unfair just putting him everywhere. I wanted to give other teams a chance. Yeah. And, then, and there's, not, there's not that many career highlights. <laughs> I think I've listed all of them. Yeah, they would be a short podcast. It's the Sunderland years he went downhill. Yeah, but just going back to what you said, was he a centre-back, technically? I think he was a, like a Phil Neville. He's going anywhere. You just put him on the pitch somewhere when he runs around. Yeah. I was going to say, I think it's like an Alex Ferguson thing, especially in he the likes a utility player. Yeah, just like, right, I need to plug a gap somewhere. I need at least four guys that can do it, like that Parchy Sung, John O'Shea, yeah. like you said, Phil Neville, Antonio Valencia went everywhere. Where's Brown? Where's Brown? One treble. Yeah, they just whack, literally just plug in holes with average players and they win loads of trophies and the rest is history. Yeah, but when it's Fergie, he made them not average. That's the difference. I think he just made them terrified. Yeah. Like if, if you didn't have a good game, you had a boot thrown in your head. I mean, that's a good that's a bit. That, that might be a bit Works. controversial. Works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you want to move across the back or do you want to go to your other fullback? Your choice. I'll move across the back. So my next centre back is Angelo Ogbonna. Oh, uh, is West Ham he's known for, but I actually met him when he played for Torino. I went out there and did some football coaching, and I was spending time with the ultras out there. The the guy who looked after the bar that we were spending all the time in rang someone, and then ten minutes later Ogbonna turned up and <laughs> <laughs> took photos of us all. Fair play. But, yeah. He got him there, uh, Rolando Bianchi, City, uh, Man City legend. Yeah, I, I, when when that's a Man City legend, you can see how how <laughs> yeah how, how shallow that pool is, really, can't you? <laughs> yeah, but he he's one of the one of the few footballers I've actually met. He seemed like he could barely speak English, and I think he was terrified of the guy that drank him, but he seemed lovely. <laughs> Who was the guy that rang him? Oh, he. <laughs> He was the head boy. There's a photo of, I think it's Ogbonna signing his professional contract because he came through the academy. Yeah. And that guy who's like head of the ultras is stood behind him. So he was... you've absolutely just described a mafia boss. Oh, that's what, that's <laughs> what he is. That is what he is. So just to be clear, have you put him in this... got a card and everything. Have you put him in this team for fear that if you didn't, somehow the mafia would find out and come and get you? Yeah, that yeah. is it. I had that's... to put one in. That's as good a reason as any. I also was he, was he nice when you met him? putting him in the team. Yeah, was he a nice fella? 
he was a nice guy. The, the mafia boss was. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> to be fair, in case he's listening, <laughs> lovely guy. What a what a guy. What a guy. You know, gave us all free drinks. Uh, then made us pay 30 euros to sign up for his club. We didn't say no to that. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, he gave us all the free drink and then said it's 30 euros to be part of this club. And then didn't let any of us leave. <laughs> Oh, well, oh, so the the rest of the fab, mafia family were there. Oh, they were <laughs> all there, holding you in. It was just before a game. We went to go see them versus Fiorentina, I think, and we walked with them to the stadium, and we were just in the middle of the mob. And then inside the stadium, we were stood right next to him while he's like conducting the crowd for singing. You know, you see it when they're all setting off <laughs> yeah, flares. Yeah. We were stood next to him. Oh, well. Terrifying that was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving swiftly on before yeah. we, we get ourselves in dangerous territory, um, we'll move again across to your other centre-back. Well, this other guy, if it was a mafia, this guy would be the enforcer because it's Vidic. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was coming. I think with with all the players that you can put in there with modern centre-backs, even old-school ones, I think for me Vidic was just... He was the mixture of the modern one who can still keep up with the game and also the old school where he will head your foot. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the kind of guy. He always walked off with a broken nose. and Yeah, there was always some form of blood, whether it's his or someone else's, yeah. on, his, on his shirt. He's got that quote that you can, f- you can fix your nose, but you can't fix your pride if you concede a goal, which I just think <laughs> yeah, very, a... It's a very Eastern European sort of <laughs> yeah. motto, yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. Great player, yeah. though. Again, I can't argue with uh, quality United defenders. I can argue with the ones they have now, as I previously mentioned. But the ones that they had back in the day, like Vidic, unreal player. It's, yeah. it's an interesting question, though, because like, Vidic obviously did so well at the time he was at United. Would he be as influential if he played now with this sort of... Absolutely. Because really? if he played now, you wouldn't have to play Harry Maguire or Victor Lindelof. And then you'd be well, good. Well, yeah, no, what I... That, that's not what I meant. I meant in the fact that, like, was he more suited to, like, the game of that time rather than today's game? Because now you really want, like, a sweeper or someone that can play the ball, and he wasn't that. He would just... I think he would he would be underrated in this era because people are like, oh, he's not playing 40-yard balls. Yeah. He's not doing that. But he is that... Nothing's getting past him. He's winning everything in the air, but people don't seem to care about that anymore. People don't seem to care that defender can't defend if they can go forward that's all they seem to care about yeah I think as well VAR would not be the Man United's friend oh that's, no. <laughs> that's also what I was going to say with VAR at the moment he, he would have been sent off more times yeah. than, than he already was I feel like he was sent off a lot he was especially against Liverpool especially against Liverpool go, I was going to say that thank go, you I used to love watching him in the era of Fernando Torres. Every game we played against United, for some reason, Vidic would just go, oh, I don't know how to defend anymore. And he'd just scythe down Fernando Torres every time we played him for no reason. And then he gets that off. Yeah. It was great. And it was, it was always Torres as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. I think Nanya Vidic was jealous of his long blonde locks. He was like, that oh, might have been it. Gonna take him but off from this. Didn't Torres only score two against United? Because everyone always makes it out like he battered United, but I'm sure he only got a couple. Yeah, Dirk I think he Cowell did, was he... the one that always scored against United. Yeah, <laughs> I think he did only get a couple. I think it was just fun to watch him tease Nemanja Vidic all yeah. the time. Oh, just looking, yeah. just because uh, just I said about the red cards, I went and tried to find it. So, not as many as I thought. So, 
How many appearances he had? So he, he got in the Premier League now, anyway. He got six red cards and only 39 yellows. That's not bad. Like, I know, yeah. that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And how many appearances was that? 211. It's not bad. Is that, hang on. There's a stat there that George is looking at. In 211 appearances, he had 27 losses. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's not bad going, is it? Yeah, but that is why he's in my team. I think he would be the captain to just... You're not saying no to Vidic. So you'd, you'd put him as your captain, you reckon? Yeah. Mm, yeah, we'll get I, to that. I know, I know who's coming next, so I reckon that's the okay, one that yeah. he's going between. All right. Um, and speaking of that, yeah, Josh, who's your left-back? I think if I'd said to George before this, who's the one player I'll have in my team, he would have got this player. Yeah. And it is Patrice Evra. Yeah. <laughs> I think I may have, I think growing up, everyone had like Rooney on the back of their shirt, Ronaldo, I had Evra. Yeah. And I, I think you had it on quite a few shirts. I had, I had many years with Evra. And this was before it was like, the, I love this game. Yeah. <laughs> kind before, of he was, before he was funny on social media. Yeah. I don't know about I just loved it. on social media. Great player, fantastic player. One of the better left backs of that era of the Premier League. But since yeah. he retired from the game, the man is absolutely mental. Oh, he's, yeah. He's that, crazy, isn't he? All I can ever think of when I hear Patrice Ever is him molesting a chicken. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? Like, if you want to do that in the privacy of your own home, crack on, mate. But why would you do that and then post it? Yeah, 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 no, I do remember that. I don't know, I, I don't know why as well. It made it weirder that it was a raw chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, great player though. Can't knock him. His punditry, I'm not a massive fan of. He tends no. to, he waffles more than I do. And that's yeah. him. And yeah, yeah. But he loves a French player as well. He, he, he talks about them all like their best mates. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. He, um, <laughs> I can't remember which game it was this weekend, which obviously this is going to go out in a couple of weeks from now. But he, he seemed to be wearing his suit he was wearing as well. He was wearing like three quarter trousers with it and it looked mm. with smart shoes, which looked really weird. I mean, an odd bloke. He is an odd <laughs> bloke, but he was a hell of a left back. He yeah. was. Yeah, great player. I think he's lost the most Champions League finals. He He's lost. I may have just made that up, but I'm sure he'd <laughs> lost a lot with Monaco. <laughs> he lost one with United. He lost one with Juventus. Uh, the most recent one I'm sure he's lost four was he playing for Monaco when they lost to Porto in the yeah final? he was he was there then I did not know that that, that is in fact correct about Patrice Evra having the most losses in the Champions League final played five lost four oof rough yeah still getting to five finals is good would you want to be known as the lad that lost the most finals I don't think you would even if you made it no not, not at all there's only two players above him who've played in more finals, and that's Cristiano Ronaldo and Maldini. You can't really argue with that. That was a very United-heavy defence and goalkeeper there. So I'm sensing a trend. Let's see if the trend continues. We're moving into the midfield. Do you want to start on one of the wings, or do you want to go central midfield first? I'll go for the wings, but I'll let you choose which one. Go left. <laughs> you want me to go left? Go left. All right, so for my left mid... Is it's going to be part of the theme again, but this is the person I think's been the best player in the Prem, and it's Ronaldo. Oh, okay. I think 
Well, longevity, not like obviously over his whole career, yes, but in terms of prem time, no. But in the time he was there, he was he was the levels above everyone. <laughs> yeah, he really was. Although I guess when he was around, there were some top quality players in the Premier League. Mm. Can't think of any off the top of my head apart from United ones because obviously I saw him playing with them. But yeah, I think with Ronaldo. What his Premier League time sort of gets forgotten because of all of the stuff he did for Madrid and goals scored. Obviously, he didn't score that many goals for United in comparison to how many he's scored since, which is an astronomical number of goals. So I think a lot of people just sort of breeze over his United period because they think, oh, well, he didn't get good till he got to Madrid. But you have to remember, Madrid paid a lot of money for him at the time. was a huge fee. World record. Yeah, yeah. world record at the time. And you don't do that unless the player you're buying is amazing or unless you're United buying a centre-back. Yeah. Yeah. And United obviously having a lot of um, a lot of luck with signing Portuguese players from Sporting Lisbon at the moment. <laughs> That's what it is. So, it's like a feeder club, isn't it? Yeah. But not just like his prem time. When you look what he's progressed onto as well. Yeah. I think he is... Messi's arguably more talented. But I'd say Ronaldo's a better sportsman. Yeah. My, my outlook on it is that... Um, Messi's more natural. Yeah. As Ronaldo puts in a, a hell of a lot of work to get where he is. Yeah. All you have to do is look um, at his physique. Like, you don't yeah. put that much effort into making your body look like that. And it's not just show muscles. Like, he's worked on... If you look at how high he can jump, he yeah. could definitely yeah. dunk in the NBA. Like, he... Easily. 100%. I was how take tall is he? Is he 6'2"? 6'2", yeah. I think that header he scored for Juve in the Champions League, where literally... I don't understand how a man can be that high and be so controlled and literally it almost like he floated in the air. Mm, yeah. I'm not suggesting he's magic, but that was as close to magic on a football <laughs> as I've seen. There was there was some conspiracies here. <laughs> <laughs> there was um there was quite a similar one as well for Real Madrid against United, I remember, yeah. in Old Trafford, where he just seemed to jump and just float above everyone else. Yeah, yeah. that there's Ever was the guy under him. And apparently afterwards, Sir Alex got him in and bollocked him, saying, how are you letting him have a free header like that? And it wasn't until the next day where there's like a picture of Everett crouching, like looking to jump, and Ronaldo's feet are by his shoulders, <laughs> that Sir Alex actually had to apologise and go, I didn't know that had happened. Ronaldo, the fact that we've just highlighted two instances where he's literally floated, <laughs> I'm thinking that somewhere along the line, Ronaldo found himself a little lamp and now he's got like an Aladdin-style genie rocking around with him. You just can't see him. So every time he's floating, what you can't see is beneath him is just a genie holding him up in the air as he heads in. <laughs> and then like, like to put him back on the floor and everyone just sort of goes, ah, yeah, nothing's going on there. It's just a, a man floating <laughs> and we'll just accept it. I, I read something recently and I, I don't know if this is true because I don't think a human being can possibly do this. That he doesn't like sleep in uh, like, you know how a normal person would sleep in eight hour stints like at night apparently he sleeps 90 what is it it's five 90 minutes during the day yeah which yeah. does doesn't seem right and he, he says like it, it uh there was a thing that said it calculates up to what he needs yeah but surely that's not right no it's rather than getting your eight hours in one block he splits it up and apparently it makes him i don't know why because i feel horrible after a nap yeah i <laughs> I yeah, think we're, 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 there's a bit of a difference between Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo and us. <laughs> take me a couple of hours to recover from that and I'd have to have another one. 
I love how you just compared yourself to Ronaldo in terms of the only difference is you have different sleeping patterns. That's it. If I could sleep in that way, I'd be levitating. I think the the modern game, of, like modern sports actually, people do mad stuff to keep their bodies in shape. If you think Ronaldo is, what, 36? Yeah. And LeBron James is only 33, but I'd make a comparison here. I know this. So when the NBA bubble was taking part, over the past summer in uh, Orlando, in Disneyland, LeBron James had a special sleeping chamber brought in because that's how he sleeps. He sleeps in some sort of like, not cryogenic because I was not frozen, but in some sort of purified chamber. And apparently that is one of the reasons why he, he is such a like incredible physical specimen for someone of his age to be able to do what he does is a lot down to the way he sleeps. So I can sort of believe that Ronaldo's sleeping pattern will have an effect on yeah, how yeah. he does. How Does LeBron it? James have a wife? Yeah. Yes. Do they? they have... I'm assuming they sleep separately then, because. <laughs> yeah, he actually his at home. It's just in the middle of his living room. So when he wants to go to bed, he just stands up in his little chamber thing there, all watching the TV, and he's just stood to the side yeah. in some sort of coffin, watching them. <laughs> that's so <laughs> awkward. No, that's not true either. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, but but yeah, that just seems weird that every night you, I don't know. Yeah. Again, not why I'm not an athlete as well. No, with the with the LeBron thing. Him and Michael Jordan are kind of the same as Ronaldo and Messi. Where I'd say Michael Jordan was more talented, especially watching that last dance. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't doing any of this weird stuff to get that bit better. He was just better than everyone. He was just smoking cigars after every game. Yeah. He? Whereas, like pure talent, they were the better ones. But Ronaldo and LeBron have had to grind to get to where they are. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, a, that's actually a very good comparison into like sport to sport and talent versus hard work. Not saying that the talented players don't work hard, but they don't have to work as hard. Yeah. 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 I think that's a very good analogy. Right then, enough on Ronaldo and LeBron and sleeping chambers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into your central midfield and hope we find some players that have normal sleeping patterns. Well, this guy... Who knows what he's doing now, but he is—he's the player that I've enjoyed watching the most ever, and it is Ronaldinho. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think obviously grew up watching him a bit, but you could only really see him on Champions League nights on certain things, and he scored that goal against Chelsea. Yeah, where he just toe poked it, top bins. I went to Soccer Aid a couple of years ago. He was one of the footballers that was there. Oh, and the rest of the world team. Yeah, yeah and even just cool. watching him then, when he's clearly, he looked, I think he's like an alcoholic now. He's probably still in jail for faking a passport. Uh, no, I think he's out now. Is he out now? Yeah, yeah. He won the futsal tournament. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just, he was still then just like a man playing with kids. There's like a run he goes on where he like Meg's Phil Neville. Meg's Ben Shepherd. Not <laughs> that's what makes me that's what makes me laugh so much about that soccer age. You have Ronaldinho like taking on I don't know Harry Styles or something yeah. like that. And he's just like I think he was like the very first player that was just that I remember just watching him going, I don't know how you're doing that. Yeah, I remember him doing the uh what was it called? Was it Jogger Jogger Benito? Jogger Benito, like yeah, like the adverts and stuff like that and just Imagine being one of the cameramen there and just yeah. watching him do whatever skill he was doing that day. Was it him that yeah, was the crossbar, the crossbar like every? <laughs> yeah, he's an absolutely unbelievable player. I think he's probably the first like player that blew up on the internet. 
Yeah. That makes sense. Obviously, everyone knew he was good, but if you didn't watch yeah. European football, like when he was at PSG or at Barca, you probably wouldn't have known him that much unless you watched the Champions League. And then you get to watch him on these adverts and then see more of him. And then he's suddenly just doing elasticos. He's doing roulettes yeah. everywhere. He's dinking the ball over people, doing rainbow flicks. Absolutely unbelievable. And I think he's one of the players that sort of inspired the current generation of footballers. Mm-hmm. If you ever hear yeah. interviews with players like Neymar, even like Jaden Sancho and players like that, they always reference Ronaldinho as one of the players that inspired them to play the way they play. Yeah, yeah. He's a um, hell of a player. Like, was he technically a central midfielder? I think he was a cam or left wing. Yeah. But I mean, he was probably one of those players that just sort of played all over the pitch yeah. as well. Like, you'd find him everywhere. Yeah, he's definitely one of those kind of players where you need someone to anchor the midfield behind him because if he didn't, then he's just going to go on a mad one and then like leave massive gaps behind him because he, he wasn't a defensive player in any sense of the word. But it's yeah. just, yeah, like you said, the YouTube, even the YouTube sub's easy way to see, but just you never did get to see him live. Yeah, I've said that a few times on this podcast, that like a lot of the European players, you just search their YouTube reel or something yeah. like that, but Ronaldinho's has got to be one of the best out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think what he did at Barcelona, is underrated by quite a lot. Like he dragged them from sort of obscurity into the big time again. Yeah. And the time when they were searching for like the next superstar after Rivaldo had gone and then they get Ronaldinho in and then he's just changes the game. Like he's a big part of the tiki taka style that they started playing, influenced the current generation of Barcelona players, just general unreal player. Yeah. With a questionable post football life, as we previously yeah. mentioned, has somehow ended up in a Paraguayan prison for faking an ID. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's that photo of him, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that everyone was just like, oh, I think that's the guy we all, we all watched as a kid. <laughs> there's a film, I don't know if you've ever seen it, called Escape to Victory. It's got um, Sylvester Stallone. It's basically all these players, all these people in a prisoner of war camp. And then I can't remember the exact plot of the film, but basically Sylvester Stallone is the goalkeeper and Pele is on their team. And this... <laughs> This, this film is literally just a vehicle for Sylvester Stallone to act in a football film whilst Pele just does his thing. And then I'm fairly certain it's something like if they win the game, they get to leave. Something like that. Maybe it's not that. But I have visions of that's what Ronaldinho did to get out of Paraguayan prison. <laughs> win yeah, the I was, tournament I was thinking and of, let you leave. I was thinking of more of like a, a mean machine. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> mean machine. I could imagine Vinnie Jones just imagine, being in there. Imagine if like... Guards at a prison were just like, yeah, if you win this football game against us, you can leave. Yeah. <laughs> just like a few, a couple of murderers on the team, they're like, yeah, they beat us in a football football game. Though, so I like to think like they proposition that, knowing they're all rubbish, and then they're like, oh, we've just arrested Ronaldinho down the road. Like, oh, 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 damn no! <laughs> or, yeah, all the guards just like start trying to get like proper good football players in as well, just, yeah. like, just in case. Well, they did do when he was in prison a futsal tournament. Have you seen the picture? Because obviously his team won. And he's just, they gave him like a pig or something. You know, like a cooked, like, full what? pig. It's just a picture of Ronaldinho and a bunch of prisoners just holding this thing. What a weird trophy. I know. It's... Hey, that's Paraguayan prison for you. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, as you said, uh, with Ronaldinho, sometimes you'll need like an anchor in midfield to sort of let him go and do his things. Have you actually done that? Or is this team a bit... I have ish. <laughs> <laughs> this is another man that could play any position. Okay. Uh, and it's Rooney. Okay. I think depending on what era in his 
career, he would play in centre mid. He could play striker. I think you could probably play him centre back if you wanted to, and he'd do a good job there. He definitely he gets sent off playing centre back. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> for the goals and assists he's got, no one ever really talks about him that much, but he carried United for years, especially the post Ronaldo years. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a weird one as well because you would have guessed because you put him in central midfield, you would have guessed like later on in his career at United. Now he would have moved mm. back there earlier, but he never really did, did he? They they put sometimes put in like a sort of false nine yeah. sometimes, but. If you've got him in your midfield, the, the other team's not having an easy game there. Yeah, he's two foot in everyone. He's another one. VAR would hate him. Yeah, because <laughs> you know off the ball he's stamping on toes. Yeah, elbows. he's doing little like kidney punches, but he is. It seems daft to say this because of how amazing he was, but I think now you could probably describe him as one of the most underrated players in Premier League history. Yeah. In the, at the time, obviously he wasn't because everyone knew how good he was, but a few years removed and everyone's sort of forgotten about yeah, how when good he, he when was. when he went to Derby and it was sort of, yeah. Yeah, I mean... You, you, I don't, think, you don't hear his name mentioned anymore, sort of. No, absolutely unbelievable player. Like Josh said, he had everything. Like, yeah, he could tackle-ish. He can cross it. He can ping them from anywhere. Scores amazing goals, volleys, can calmly finish it. He's a leader on the pitch. Pete Rooney, he could have gotten any team in the world. Easily. He'd be probably yeah. one of the first names on your team sheet as well. And I saw his debut. Yeah, the, the hat trick against Fanabachi. Fanabachi, yeah, I remember that actually. Yeah, mm. right behind the goal for the free kick. The, the thing about Rooney as well, and I think it was the best part about his game, like no matter what kind of game it was or whether uh, United or whatever team it was was winning, losing, whatever, he'd give you 110%. Yeah. Like, uh, what, was the, what was the one where he was playing for? Um, where did he go in America? Oh, DC, DC. Was it DC United where he lost the ball and all you see is Rooney just absolutely bombing it back down the pitch and makes a... In my head, I'm saying it's goal-saving challenge. It is. It the goalkeeper went goal up for it. Running back. It was the 95th minute. Yeah. And he just he just makes this challenge and just saves it. And that's what that's epitomises Rooney in my Well, even after that, he turned, got the ball, got it into the box and got the assist because the guy scored off the head when they won the game. Was that the same highlight? Same thing. Yeah, yeah same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but he was just... I don't, it's just Rooney, isn't it? Yeah. I think with Rooney, the thing is with his career, and I think it's true for a lot of players, but he hit the heights at United, the highest of heights, when a lot of Premier Leagues, Champions Leagues, FA Cups, a lot, scored a lot of goals for England and for United as well. And then when it stopped going so well, it just went off a cliff. When he went to Everton, yeah. he wasn't the same player. When he went to DC United... He was all right, but he wasn't. I don't think he was he as good as he. Hoped. No, I don't think he was as good as he'd hoped or DC United had hoped. And then when he's gone to Derby now, he's actually the co-manager with Liam Rossini, and they currently sit bottom of the championship. And he's playing every game as well. So I think it's quite a drop off for Rooney. But for the the high the highs that he had in his career, I don't think you can say that there's been many better English players in the Premier League. No, who do you think he? He's joined United when he was 18 for a big fee. And a lot of people, you see it especially recently, crumble under that kind of pressure. Yeah. He exceeded everything. United's all-time goal scorer. England's all-time goal scorer. Yeah, uh, which is cra- it's crazy to have both of those records as well. And he might be second assists in the Premier League. That's been crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to catch 
catch Alan Shearer in that goal tally as well. Oh, so I don't know, Harry Kane yeah, at the I moment. Say, I think Harry Kane, yeah, if Harry yeah. Kane sees the Premier League, I think he'll get it. How old is he? 28, 28 27. Yeah. Something like I think that. he's going to do it then. Mm. But he's at Tottenham, and if they start going bad, you lose a lot mm. of goals there. That's not true. He's been banging yeah. them in for years. And they've been terrible. <laughs> was, it, was it Rooney's like, um, plan to go to Derby and start trying to move on to coaching then? Yeah. He, he That's joined, what I'd heard, yeah. yeah. He joined Derby as a player coach yeah. when they had Felipe Koku as their manager, Dutch legend. And then that's not worked out because it turns out Koku's not a very good manager. Koku's been sacked. And now alongside like former Reading defender Liam Rossini, <laughs> uh, they've now got a joint... So Liam Rossini stands on the side of the pitch and shouts at Rooney, who's on the pitch, who is the manager. And yeah, that's how it's going for him. So, so he's and playing they, manager now. Yeah. Yes, and they are Crazy. bottom. Rock bottom of the championship. Yeah. He's someone who, if you lost a game, if he was your manager, you're getting bollocked. He'd kick a shoe at you. He'd kick you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think he'd have the shoe. I think he'd, <laughs> he'd throw the shoe at you and then follow it up with a kick with his bare foot. Yeah. Yeah. Great midfield so far. All the R's. Have you got a right midfielder whose surname does not begin with R? I do. Hey. So the the very first game I went to go see was Blackburn. Uh, and that was in the era when I think Graeme Souness was manager because I got to meet all the players after because my dad's friend played the drum for them. You know, in the crowd, oh, they've got yeah. the guy that plays the drum. He worked with my dad. So I met Graeme Souness, Damien Duff, and whoever else was back there. So I always had a bit of a spot, soft spot for Blackburn. And then this guy came in and you just love him. Uh, Mort Gams Pedersen. Yeah, Ooh, <laughs> it might be. Nice. A free kick legend. There was something, something about him. Like I remember him, you'd always see stuff about him. You'd always see goals by him. You'd always see skills by him. You'd always see everything by him. But actually, never actually went on to to go to a bigger club or anything like that. No, sort of... always linked with bigger clubs. I seem yeah. to think he was always linked with United, actually. Probably. But yeah, I Probably think... that was made into this team. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think with um, with Morgan Gaps Pedersen, Norwegian legend, a couple of weeks ago when we had Callum on, he had Adele Tarap in his team and his quote was, the streets never forget. And that yeah. is exactly yeah. the kind of player that Pedersen is. Because... No matter who you supported in that era of the Premier League, you know if you're playing against Blackburn, there's a strong chance that this random Norwegian is going to bang in a worldie top bins against you. So, He's a great player. Iconic look, bleach blonde hair. Yeah. Still playing, <laughs> which I didn't know. Is he? <laughs> yeah. He's at Alta. He's got Probably. seven goals in 13 games for them. Yeah, he's yeah. a fantastic player. That that Blackburn team was actually really good with Yakubu, David Bentley, David Dunn, David Dunn. Yeah, doing his Rabona. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I Pedersen, did actually think to put him in, but <laughs> Pedersen is a great choice for sort of Premier League icons. Outside of the big clubs, he is definitely yeah. up there with with yeah. the best. I think it's kind of what the Prem's missing now. You know, the rubbish players who just everyone loves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I was not, I was going to say if you, if you meant like like a big pl- uh, player at a smaller club, you could say Wilfred Zaha at Crystal Palace maybe. Mm. Cuz he is quality. Yeah. Which is annoying cuz he just didn't do it for us. No. But you know. Yeah. Pedersen 
great shout. Love for that. Absolutely. Right. So you've gone for the four four two, so you've got two people up front. Two of the least mobile strikers you will ever have in the front two. This. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> so my first one is Dimitar Berbatov. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> he he wasn't going to run, but he was an absolute Rolls Royce of a player. He's another one. If you watched his highlights. He was just world class. Well, I was in I was in Old Trafford for one of his highlights, which is when he scored a hat trick against Liverpool. I was just thinking that one. <laughs> I was in that stadium. Start a podcast, they said. It'll be fun this. <laughs> <laughs> I can get on board with that. Berbatov, one of the better strikers in that era of the Premier League. Again, similar era to Pedersen, actually. But yeah, that yeah. sort of play style of just nonchalantly, very similar to like Cantona, I would say. In that he yep. was just great first touch, skill anyone that comes close to him, bang them in from anywhere. But most of his goals were just a little finesse, like sort of. Also, yeah, he just knew how to it. finish. Yeah, great player, great, great player. Yeah, there's that. There's always that clip of him running down the line, and then he does the what's now known as the Berber spin. The thing is against Villa, was yeah. right on the touch line, and the defender just like stops. I think the, fa- the defender, and I think most defenders would thought it had gone out. Yeah. And then by the time he knew it, he'd gone past him. He scored five in the Prem against Blackburn. <laughs> yeah, he's just great just a classy player. player. Great player. He was great for Tottenham as well when he was there. Bayern Leverkusen yeah. when he was there. Great player. His goal was very legend. Good wherever he's gone as well. And just look at yeah. that. 69 for Bayern Leverkusen, 27 for Tottenham, but that's in 70 appearances, which I thought. I thought he was there longer, to be honest, but... That's just been two um, seasons. 48 for United in 108 games. Yeah, he was one of those players, he's not a natural-born goal scorer, but for link-up play, mm. yeah. when United had that front four of Ronaldo, Tevez, Rooney and him, that was just unstoppable. That yeah. Yeah. strike force. To have that, that was the... those options is just incredible. Fantastic player, great choice. You're right, not very mobile, but considering you've chosen two strikers in your midfield, I think you'd be all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the other non mobile? The next one is, I think, the best finisher that's ever been in the Prem. That's Van Nistelrooy. Oh. He was, I think, it's someone that the Prem doesn't have him anymore. A striker who he's not going to chase back and get the ball. You're not going to see him out on the wing. He's going to be planted between the goalposts yeah. about 12 yards out, and he's just going to score everything. And then occasionally he can do that goal like against Fulham. I think I heard it on Glynn's one where he just runs it from the halfway line. And, and just tricks there. the keeper, yeah. yeah. Yes. Is that the first repeat player we've had? It is the first repeat player, yeah. yeah. Of course, it's a United player. But yeah, Van Nistelrooy, obviously we covered a lot on Glynn's podcast, but obviously we can talk about him again. Fantastic player. After Glynn's podcast, actually, I did go and watch some of his highlight reel. And you write what you said, that he doesn't move very far away from the box. But he just comes to life. It's like he almost like goes to sleep. And then as soon as the ball comes past sort of the three-quarter mark on the pitch, he's like, yep, I'm awake. Give me the ball, I'll score. Bang. Yeah. And then he'll just go back to sleep. He's a great player. Fantastic player. I think that, he had that thing where defenders thought he was lazy. Like he wasn't, you know, he's, he's just walking around the pitch, but he's not going to make that run. Like yeah. you said, if he sees like the winger getting the ball, that's when he makes it and the defenders are flat footed thinking he's not moved in 20 minutes <laughs> Yeah, and then he just instantly in there scores the goal I uh, I actually watched after after 
uh, dad's podcast as well. I watched that whole uh, thing with Arsenal, the Arsenal team. Oh, yeah. When we were saying there was that, there's that little bit of a fire behind him when he missed that penalty and you had like Martin Keown screaming in his face. Yeah. And then either that game or the next game, I can't remember again, just celebrated in his face. Yeah. Which started a massive brawl. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of started the legacy of great Dutch strikers in the Premier League. I know there was maybe mm. a few before, but ones that are actually very successful. So him, Van Persie, Dirk Kout. Great. Uh, Don't try to slide him in there. <laughs> Dirk Kout in the same sentence as them two. I know we're United fans, but come on. Uh, Ryan Babel. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> why <laughs> no, but what, I, what I mean is successful Dutch strikers. Doesn't yeah, necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that Dirk Kout was any, anywhere near their level because he wasn't. But although no, 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 I don't. I don't want to talk bad about Dirk Kout because he was a great, great player. Don't no, get me wrong. Too late now. You've already said it. <laughs> Dirk, if you're out there, George hates you. I love you. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're ruining chances of him ever coming on the podcast, which he never <laughs> yeah. did anyway. But <laughs> right, Josh, that is a very, very good team. Obviously, everyone knows so far you're a United fan, if you hadn't guessed. Yeah, I've kept it secret, but... <laughs> yeah, you've done well to hide that. <laughs> so let's go on to your super sub. Your 1-1 Champions League final, this team, you need a goal. Who are you bringing on? See, my super sub, I've done it slightly different. Oh. Because I've not gone for a goal scorer who's going to win it. I'm thinking more... It's 2-2 on aggregate, and you've got the away goal, so you need to close out a game. Okay. I'm going for yeah. Park Ji-sung. Oh. <laughs> oh. I think he is, like you mentioned before, another versatile player who was just put in. He would play anywhere. But the Champions League United is either the one they won or the ones they were runner-up to. He was potentially player of the season. He just missed out on the final. Yeah. Oh, it was the one we lost because they came out and said it was a mistake not playing him in the final. Because he man marked Pirlo out of the game, he man marked everyone out of the game that he played, and then they dropped him for the final and lost. Yeah, absolute <laughs> like cult hero at United as well, isn't he? He reminds me a bit of Kante now that he's just gonna run around all day. He's yeah. just yeah, got he, legs. He ne- his legs never fall off, do they? He never gets tired. Even though a lot of the time I hope they don't really fall off. Yeah, it's a saying. <laughs> George likes the leper leagues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, God. you're right. What you say, he's a workhorse for your team. He won't ever stop running. Not necessarily the most technically gifted player. He scored a few goals, though. I seem to remember he scored a few goals. Cult hero. He's sort of that utility man, like you said, like with John O'Shea. Yeah. You need a gap plug in. You put Park Ji Sung in there, and he'll do a job for you. Yeah, and possibly think, one of the greatest chants in football after him. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say no. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a signal to not to offend no. any of our <laughs> Korean listeners. But no, yeah, fantastic player. And I think actually you may have just selected the first Asian player on this podcast. Is that right? I mean, I you don't so. know with some of Owens. He was making some names up on that. <laughs> 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 I think with um, Park Ji Sung, top of the list of sort of unsung heroes in the Premier League era. Yeah, just where that kind of player that everyone on that team loves, but everyone outside of that club can sort of be like, why? Why, why do you love him yeah. so much? But everyone that watches him week in, week out knows that that's your guy. You need something doing. You put him in there. He's like a James Milner. He's like a John O'Shea. Hey, <laughs> John O'Shea. <laughs> but no, he's like that sort of player that you need a, 
he's just that guy that you can rely on no matter the situation. Like you said, 2-2, you need to consolidate it, whack him on the pitch, he'll do the job. 2-1 down, need a goal, whack him on, he'll make a goal, job done. Mm, he's yeah. one of them unsung heroes, which isn't as common in the modern game. No, yeah, I like as well, I like the fact that you've gone a different route with the super sub and not gone for someone who's going to, like, the, the obvious choice is always Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but it's like someone who can come on and just close out a game, which is which is just as important as grabbing a goal sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got your starting 11 and super sub. We're going to take a quick break before we go into your manager stadium and kit. Great selection there. I'm going to go on a limb here and suggest that we all know which manager's coming up. Let's see if you can shock us. Is it Sir Alex Ferguson? John Toshak. No. Oh. <laughs> no. no, yeah, there's there's only really one one manager for me. Here, I think Louis Van Hall. Yeah, yeah. Just don't even talk about the the dark days we're in at the moment. David Moyes. Oh, the chosen one. <laughs> Is it? You can. You always knew how good Fergie was when he was United manager, because obviously they won everything, they did everything. But now looking at what's happened since, you yeah. kind of go, oh yeah, it wasn't just his like telling the players what to do. It was he ran the club. Yeah. He, he had his transfers on point. He had everything. I saw a thing the other day, it was about how he used to do transfers. He would openly say like, I want like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like he'd say it in his interviews and then it would, the player would be like, I want to go play for United. And then they'd force through the move. So he, he was just like the master of mind games. He just... He he was incredible. And uh, I think Dad referenced it on his episode that um, Van Nistelrooy was injured when he was, uh, before he came to us. And or Sir Alex just kept, kept in contact with him, kept messaging him, mm. making sure that he was all right and he still wanted to come to United. And then obviously eventually he did. And, yeah. As as we said, it's turned out incredible for us. Um, can't argue. <laughs> no, like again, I I didn't really like Alex Ferguson very much as a manager. But you show me a football fan where their rival club has a manager that is extremely good, and then that person likes that manager. They're lying. Nobody yeah. likes a successful manager for their rival club. As much as I can, obviously, right now, I love Jurgen Klopp. I can fully understand why people wouldn't like him. But with Alex Ferguson, he's sort of that one where, like George said, he had a, like a, a dynasty at United. He started something there. He controlled the culture. He controlled the, the ins and outs of the players. Even with the transition of the ownership, he still managed to keep that, which is something that's quite rare in the modern game where new owners come in, they usually want to put their own stamp on it. But Ferguson was like, nope, still my team. I'm still doing it. Yeah. And you can see in just the amount of trophies he won and the amount of players that have gone on from United to have amazing careers at United and other clubs abroad and stuff like that. It's just uh, an amazing feat for him to do that. Yeah. yeah. I um, One of the greatest things about him, and I actually searched this as soon as you said it, you can probably see me, um, is some of his lineups, you would look at them and be like, okay, what the hell? And he'd still come out with, uh, so one of them, he came out with a 6-2 victory with Roy Carroll and goal, Neville, Ferdinand, Sylvester and Hines at the back, Bellion, Jemba Jemba, Cleberson, so good the name and, Gig- <laughs> and Giggs in the midfield. 
and really Bannister up front. Obviously, there are some names in there that, that are obviously we're going to do well. But when you have Jemba Jemba and Cleberson as your central midfielders, you, you do worry. <laughs> I think, was it not the, the 8-2 game against Arsenal where you had centre-backs playing centre-mid? He, he had yeah, six I'm trying, defenders. To, I'm trying to find that one. But is it? That one says final score 2-0, though. There's what there's this one where it was Van der and goal, Brown, Smalling, Vidic, Ever at the back, Raphael, Gibson, O'Shea, and Fabio in midfield, and Rooney and Hernandez up front. And that was yeah. a 2 0 victory, so it wasn't the 8 2 1. But... So, what carried that game? John O'Shea in centre <laughs> <laughs> Irish people. <laughs> circle. So, you can play anywhere. What's funny go. is three, three, three of the players in that team that I just mentioned, which is so out there, are in your team. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Um, that is a perfect way to summarise Alex Ferguson as a manager. Nobody else yeah. can make John O'Shea a successful football player, as showcased when he left. Yeah. But that, if anything, is the, the <laughs> benchmark of how good a manager he was. The fact that he could make players like John O'Shea look like competent football players when outside of his system, they are absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a good, it's a good, good yeah. way of looking at it, I guess. What a manager. A fantastic manager, Alex Ferguson. You can't argue with Alex Ferguson. But you wouldn't want to anyway because he'd probably throw something at you. What is this team? And if you don't say United kit, then they're going to look a bit out of place. (laughs) (laughs) What kit are this team wearing? See, kits-wise, I'm always a fan of solid colours. I think the best-looking kit is the All Blacks. Uh, for in rust black I just think it's such a nice kit but I wanted to keep it football themed so I didn't go for the all black <laughs> <laughs> the kit I've gone for is the most heartbreaking kit I've ever owned so it's the blue Man United one from the 08-09 season and it's a beautiful kit it is like a royal blue I think we only wore it couple games but when when I got it got Tevez on the back <laughs> and he left two weeks later <laughs> so, <laughs> I could, oh, I, so I was like it's the nicest kit that I think United have ever had and, and you can't really wear it <laughs> I was just stuck with Tevez on the back and he so we and he left to go to City as well so yeah. <laughs> that don't make it worse yeah no so you jinxed it by getting a blue with... kit with Tevez on the back I know foreshadowing there <laughs> I remember that kit strange reason I just remember that kit for Owen Hargreaves wearing it yeah why yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's always there's a kit you'll see and there'll always just be one player that you like yeah that was yeah I I always um, see those things on like it's either Twitter Instagram or Facebook it's one of them but where it'll, it'll have a picture of a kit and it'll say what player do you think of when you see this kit it's always really interesting because everyone's comments are always the same because there's always obviously one. Like, yeah. say, for instance, one of the ones I saw was the checkered tabletop United kit, and that's Van Persie. Yeah. 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 It's one of those Horrible things, isn't it, where it's, it's just iconic kits for iconic players and it just sticks with you. Yeah. Mm. It's not even necessarily the best player that season because you just said about that checkered one. I've got. Alex Butner in my head for that one. <laughs> he was another Dutch player. He only played for like one or two seasons. But I don't know why. It's just him. I think, I, I remember when we signed him, we were quite excited about him. But obviously, yeah. that went away very quickly. Which which happens a lot with United signings at the moment. Yeah. Scored in his debut though, so. 
So swings and roundabouts. <laughs> Peak, yeah, yeah. Peaked early. <laughs> Let's see if we can break the trend onto your stadium. Right, so Stadiums-wise, the obvious one would be Old Trafford, but I've not gone for it. Oh! I've not gone for it. It's only taken to the stadium, ladies and gentlemen, but we finally... <laughs> we've got to the end. Uh, the... My favourite stadium is the Principality, but that's purely rugby-wise. It's not really associated with football, so I've not gone for that. Yeah. So then I thought about some other stadiums, and I thought of some of the ones I've played on. I played on Preston and Rills, which are both nice. Played on the race course, mm-hmm. which was, it was... We actually had fans then as well. Oh, wow, life. fair enough. We had about well, 100 people watching. It was nice. Uh, but... When I was out in Italy, the guy who I was mentioned before, the Mafia boss, oh. he, he owned Torino's old stadium, which was derelict. It all, but all the stands had been knocked down and stuff, and it had like construction site boards around the outside, and he had the only key for it. And he let us play on it. He said, he doesn't let anyone play on it, but let us all, as a group, go and play on it and just have a match. And when he opened it, it was the most perfect pitch I've ever seen. Yeah. He clearly goes out like every couple of days and just mows it. That's it. But it's like, it's a shrine for them. No one's allowed on it. So then it was just a bunch of like 15 Welsh lads. <laughs> All of it. Absolutely shit. Ted. Yeah. yeah. Made, it, <laughs> made it unplayable again. Yeah, but it was just one of those things. You're there and you have got, you've still got some of the remains of the stadium. It's called the... Uh, Stadio uh, Philadelphia uh, it's what it's called but the Italian way of spelling it because it's a bit fancy uh, and then uh, yeah it was just it was such a surreal thing just being stood in the middle when you knew it had it did previous level the stands yeah. around it what's amazing is um, mo- most people have that have the thoughts of um walking out into the stadium but walking out into the stands of a stadium like I think Callum said um, a couple of weeks ago that like walking out into the stadium and just have that feeling you have when you're sort of there and you see it all but I can imagine that being almost upped by about 10 when you're actually walking out of the tunnel onto the pitch yeah it might have been an empty stadium so Josh Josh has just shown us a photo of what what the stadium looks like now which is quite quite an upsetting Things it's got. It seems to still have a stand left, but it's obviously the majority of it's been demolished. Have, have they? I'm assuming they've chosen to keep that bit of the stand as like a bit of memorabilia. They've kept it there, but yeah, no one's no one's allowed on it. They don't let anyone on it. They they did. They've just built in, oh, a couple of years ago. They built a brand new stadium, which is the one that Juventus was in, sharing with them. Okay. Before Juventus built their massive new fancy. Juventus Stadium, yeah. <laughs> which is the most imaginative name. Like they've had tragedies in the club. They've had like big plane crashes inside of mountains where they've lost entire teams and stuff like that. They're quite an old club, aren't they? Yeah. So, yeah. um, the old school Italians are very like yeah, patriotic yeah. and passionate for it. So for them letting us play on that was just yeah, what a privilege. That's, yeah, fair enough. That's, that's incredible. Uh, did you win? Oh, it was it was one of them <laughs> where it ended like fourteen, thirteen, but I remember who It's one of those right. where um you didn't want to scuff the pitch otherwise for fear of getting taken out by the mafia. Yeah, he came and watched. So <laughs> it was walking football. 
I don't know about you. I've got an I've got an image of this mafia boss in my head. Obviously, you know what he looked like, but in my head, it's just it's just like Al Capone. Yeah, I've got the guy from The Simpsons. Oh, Fat Tony. Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, there's no pictures of him on it, but he is he is a he was only a little you know like a typical little Italian man. (laughs) One of them that when he spoke. Everyone just shut up. Everyone listened, yeah. Yeah. And command the room sort of thing. He was one of them. Well, there is very much a Torino uh, influence in your team as well, as well as there being a strong United influence. But there's a little bit of Torino in there as well. I'd say, say it's an 80-20 split. <laughs> yeah, with with Ronaldinho and Pedersen just in there for yeah. good measure. <laughs> <laughs> right then, Josh. So... I'm going to read you back your squad. Um, for those at home, if you want to read back the squad, just go and look at a program from United from 2008 and you'll have the same effect. <laughs> right then, so... The Ballon d'Or list. <laughs> you've gone for a 4-4-2 formation. Classic. You've gone for Edwin van der Sar in goal. In defence, you've got the great John O'Shea, Angelo Ogbonna, because you met him under the influence of a mafioso in Turin. <laughs> You've gone for Nemanja Vidic, and you've gone for your favourite player ever, Patrice Evra. In midfield, we've got the three R's and one P. <laughs> but uh, we've got, on the left-hand side of the midfield, we've got Ronaldo. In central midfield, Ronaldinho and Rooney. And our Norwegian listener is going to be very happy in the fact that you've chosen Morten Gamps Pedersen on the right-hand side of midfield. And then up front, your two strikers, as you mentioned during the podcast, not the most mobile, but absolutely deadly when they do get the ball at their feet, uh, is Van Nistelrooy and Berbatov. Yeah, so you've changed the game slightly with your super sub. Usually if someone brings them on for a goal, but you've got this super sub to sort of hold the game, which is a nice spin on that. So we've got Park Ji Sung coming off the bench, cult hero. Manager, we've got Sir Alex Ferguson, of course. All playing in the 2008 United Blue Kit. Famously worn by Owen Hargreaves, in my mind. <laughs> and this is all being played in the derelict stadium, Stadio Philadelphia, in Turin, former ground of Torino. All you need to do now, Josh, is name your team. Well, I thought I'd stay on theme for the, the best player in the team. And my team name is Fifty Shades of O'Shea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just going to go with United Reserves. <laughs> Fantastic name Shades of O'Shea. Well, okay. <laughs> well, Josh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. And thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. Right. Thanks for coming on. Um, thanks for giving us United Reserves. Or better, better known as Fifty Shades of O'Shea. <laughs> So it's all this tally is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not playing right back. He's playing all over that pitch, isn't he? Let's be honest. Right, so that was Josh McGilvery there, giving us his rendition of United from the mid-2000s to the 2010 range. Yeah. Not a lot of variation yeah. in there. No, not massively. It's gone back to a bygone era when United were good. So I'm assuming he's clinging I mean, on to those yeah, memories. That's... It's probably why he's done it. And I sort of agree with him on that fact that, you know, that's what we can look back on and just be like, in fact, we've, we've almost become the new Liverpool with looking at the past. <laughs> yep. That's fine for me because I can, I'm happy with that now because we're good in the present now, which has never happened to yeah. me before. So it's very nice. 
But no, great choices. Yeah. Great choices in there. <clears throat> Obviously, I'm not a big United fan. I was never a big fan of the players they had, but I can appreciate a good player when I see one. Apart from John O'Shea, because that's <laughs> not a good player. But right, it's the versatility you went for, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, um, and possibly just to call the team what he called it, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I think um, the Ogbonna story was really cool, how we met him yeah. in, in Turin. Obviously, um, maybe under slightly suspicious circumstances. I don't think Ogbonna had much say in the, uh, the meeting itself, <laughs> but it's a cool story. Yeah, I wonder what would have happened if he didn't go and meet Josh in that day. Yeah. Maybe that's why he moved to West Ham, trying to escape that bloke. <laughs> no, he's not escaped him, has he? What Josh missed out is that Josh smuggled Angelo Ogbonna back in his luggage to save him from the mafia. <laughs> That'd be big luggage, wouldn't it? <laughs> but yeah, great choices in the, in the back there. Throwback defender in Vidic, one of the best the Premier League's ever seen. John O'Shea, yeah. again, just to touch on that, great utility man. This is the first time that the super sub and the right back could be interchangeable. That's a, that's a first. Yeah, yeah. So well, I think I think Park could actually come on and replace anyone as a super true. sub. How versatile he was. Very true. I'd uh, say maybe maybe not a centre back. Thinking about it. Yeah, maybe not a centre back. No, he's not <laughs> a centre back. I think the midfield, even though it contains two strikers and yeah. one non-central midfielder, it's a fantastic midfield. Creativity all over it. The two wingers can bang them in from anywhere. Yeah, quality midfield. That. Well, I think I think anyone could bang any one of that midfield can just bang them in from anywhere as well. You've got four goal scorers in your midfield, which isn't often the case. But yeah, there you go with um, with Morton Gump's Pedersen on the wing. Yeah, and again, like we said. Uh, our one Norwegian listener, the Mr. and Mrs. Norway, uh, will be very happy with that, I think. Yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and suggest that that one listener is Morgan Gums Pedersen in his spare time. <laughs> he's bored, he's a podcast to listen to. Obviously, he's jumped on this one. So, Morgan, if it is you, please come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we love you. <laughs> I, no, I hope we've him. not said anything bad about him. I don't think we have. No, no, he's a great player. Fantastic. Then, probably, probably the best player in the Premier League, to my knowledge. Best Premier League player ever? Oh, you're trying to get yeah, on the podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, for my knowledge, he's actually the top goal scorer of all time in football, full stop. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, a lot of them went under the radar, so... Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, speaking of, of goal scored, let's go on to actual goal scored from the strikers, Bibsoff and Van Nistelrooy. That would be a strike partnership that I think many teams would hate to play against. Yeah, 100%. One, you've got the player that's always going to buzz around you in the box, never going to leave you alone. But on the other side, you've just got a player that's going to just move around like Josh said, like a Rolls Royce, never moving anywhere <laughs> too fast. But every time he gets the ball, flicking it over, little dink passes, curling them in, just a fantastic strike force, that one. Yeah, incredible. Both similar hair as well. <laughs> yeah, Which, very true, yeah. Yeah. Again, throw back to the first episode where you decided to highlight Paolo Maldini's hair. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's George's hot or not segment for the week. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I can't argue with the strike force. I, I absolutely loved Berbatov, and I feel like he could have done so much more at United if he... Because he came on as a sub quite a lot, didn't he, as well? And he was sort of... Obviously, the players he was behind, it was quite yeah. hard for him to break I into that side. But that. every time he played, there was something yeah. about him. He just had, He's such a skillful player. I think he's the closest to Cantona. United got to Cantona after he left. Yeah. And sort of the play style and the, like the nonchalant sort of, I'll play for you, but I don't really care that much yeah. sort of vibe. I'm, 
And one of my greatest moments in that Old Trafford Stadium was when uh, he scored that hat-trick against Liverpool. And because I remember one was an overhead kick as well, I think. Uh, just insane. Yeah, let's brush past that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we talked we touched on the um the fact that the super sub was interchangeable with any of the players on this team, apart from Van der Sar or Ogbonna or Vidic, really. Um but yeah, yeah part G Sun, great servant for United. Yeah. Great player, cult hero. Not enough of them in the game anymore. No, something something there's a lot of things that United are missing, but definitely something that United are missing at the moment as well. To be honest, um, I think he could probably come back and play a game right now. He's probably like forty-four now. Whack him in. Well, he's actually he's actually in the back. He's part of the backroom staff somewhere. He's waiting. I don't know what what he does, but <laughs> yeah, he's there. He's there or thereabouts. He's the running coach. He just every time he needs to relax the pitch, he's at the front, <laughs> just shouting at him. Yeah. So obviously, Josh um, wasn't very good at hiding which team he followed. I know he told us at the start, but if you missed out the start portion of the uh, podcast, you would. Not be forgiven for <laughs> misunderstanding. Taking a guess. Yeah, taking a guess which team Josh supports. Obviously, a massive Blackburn fan. Um, you know, <laughs> obviously, a massive United fan, as shown in his kit and his manager, Alex Ferguson. United blue away kit, both good choices. That that United kit, to be fair, was a very sort of clean cut kit, like Josh mentioned, block color, really nice. Yeah. I do back I, it. I do love like like Josh said as well. I do love a, a kit that's just plain. That's just sort of. It's just the colour. I also, I love um, kits that don't have a sponsor. I'd love for, it's never going to happen because there's so much money in it, but like I'd love for them to get rid of the sponsors off shirts now. You know, like how Roma used to have, I think they've yeah. started putting Qatar on their shirts. Or Barcelona as well. Yeah, yeah. I used to, it, I thought it looked so much better without the sponsors. But yeah, definitely. No, there's too much money in it for that. Now. That'll never go away. Yeah. Yeah, so then yeah. The, the stadium... Great story from that from from Josh from that, yeah. from that stadium. Yeah, that's what a privilege that would have been to play in that. Like the amount of history in that stadium, just fantastic. That yeah, absolutely. Uh, and all being watched under the eye of the mafia boss as well. Yeah, so Fat Tony sat in the stands, <laughs> rubbing his hands together. <laughs> then, um, best player, worst player. What are you saying? Worst player. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go John O'Shea. Oh, the team's <laughs> named after him. I know. I've wanted 11 John O'Shea's and you've made him the worst player. And I totally agree. <laughs> I mean, because I actually think Ogbon is a good player, but also I don't want to choose him because, you know, the Mafia boss might come after him. Yeah, he's lived a hard life. He can't, <laughs> he can't knock yeah. him. But yeah, John O'Shea, not saying that he wasn't a good player in his time. He, he obviously had some attributes which made him a professional football player. Probably, well, definitely streaks ahead of anything we'll ever be able to do on a football pitch. But obviously, yep. in comparison to his colleagues, not the best. Yeah. Um, best player, I'm going to have to go Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, I'm going to have to go Morton Gamps Pedersen because, you know, he's the greatest <laughs> player to ever play he's listening. Because he's listening. <laughs> Hi, Morgan. No, um, I'd, I'd have to go Ronaldo. It's between Ronaldo and Ronaldinho for me, but because obviously I've seen a lot more of Ronaldo than I have of Ronaldinho, it's, yeah. it's got to be him. I think with Ronaldinho as well, he I might be wrong with this, but he, he didn't have much longevity in his like the peak of his career, no. you know, like he was well, amazing, but not for very long. It wasn't like a, wasn't like a Ronaldo where Ronaldo has been doing it for what, 18 years. Yeah. It's been... You can't imagine anyone doing it at the level Ronaldo has been doing it for that long no. again, unless, unless obviously there's a lot better condition in these days. But... No. It's one of those things where people take Ronaldo and Messi for granted so much to the point where when they both retire and the game doesn't have that kind of superstar like those two, people are just going to be looking around like, how lucky were we that we witnessed that that moment in history of those two players 
going toe to toe for so long, setting records, winning Ballon d'Ors, winning Champions Leagues, trophies, everything like that. That we're so actually, privileged to have that in our lifetime. I actually saw that uh, Ronaldo is now was it fifty two or fifty three goals off being the most prolific goal scorer of all time. I think it's only ten. I th- I read it was fifty, and he just he just passed someone on that list, and he got so many. Th- I might be wrong. Like, uh, give me uh, if I'm wrong, but any stretch, ten or fifty three, he's getting that many goals. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, you can you can imagine you can imagine yeah. so, can't you? Yeah, fantastic um, player. That's another week, another pod. Lovely stuff. Hopefully, we'll try and expand our get out of the United fans, I guess. Yeah, we'll uh, expand like, our guest list out of United something. fans. Not that I don't like United fans, and I, I like all the United fans that have been on the podcast so <laughs> far. Just a bit of variation, you know. Get some more yeah, outside United of Old Trafford. But no, a great team. So, but that's wrapped up for another week. So. Thank you all very much for listening. If you'd like to continue following on the journey with myself and George, you can follow us on social media. We have Twitter and we have Instagram, both under the handle at NostalgiaFCPod. We really appreciate all you guys listening so far. At the point of recording this episode, we've actually only released two episodes and the reception so far has been incredible. So hopefully by the time this episode comes out, we'll still be on that sort of high with a lot of listens. So. Thank you all very much for listening. As always, yeah, we, would, we appreciate it massively. Yeah, we as really, always, really do. if you would like to get involved, you can follow us on those socials, get in contact with us. If you know us, you can contact us as well. That's fine. We're not, we're, we're not impartial to a bit of sliding into our DMs to get on the podcast. It <laughs> does work. All that remains is to wrap this up. That was Josh McGilvery delivering 50 Shades of O'Shea, the best name we've had so far. <laughs> and what a team it was. And what a team it was.